Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty and I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Jeff. What's up? What's up? Like that. that will never get old. <laughs> Pastor Matt oh, it's is old. It's shooting old. deer this week. So Is he shooting deer? He's <laughs> saying, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> That's, you do have to make a noise to stop them usually. <laughs> stop. Yeah, because usually they're on the move and <clears throat> so you, well, you make a little noise and they look at you. So <laughs> You, you got to make a natural noise. So what's up might not work. It's natural from the 90s. This is true. <laughs> Which we're about 10 years from repeating again because we're squarely in the 80s right now. Oh, this now. is true. Yeah. A like 90s a deer. He'd be like, what? What's up, man? Yeah. We've already got uh, most of the pop culture stuff. We just need Coke to come back. <laughs> Wait. Bottle form? Uh, like the kind that you bump. Oh, no. We don't want to do that. It's coming. Yeah. Just, yep. Well, just say no. <clears throat> to, uh, just say no. <laughs> just say no. Say no to drugs. <laughs> say no to drugs. Uh, so Pastor Matt is sh- trying to shoot deer. I he don't is. know if he's got his, I don't know if it's shotgun season or bow season for him. You, you don't shotgun, you don't shoot, well, okay, never mind. Let's not get into it. Doesn't he do slug for shotgun? Yeah, he does slug for muzzle shotgun. loader. Yeah, I was going to go through that, but there's no time. Okay. There is no time. <laughs> Anyways. That's from a movie. There is no time. What is that from? Gettysburg. Oh. Well, as I was General told Lee. yesterday, there's no a, time. A bloody covenant and stuff to do. We do have a bloody covenant and stuff to do. Yeah. So let's do that. It's from Hebrews 13, 20 to 25. Is this coffee ready, by the way? It should be done, yeah. Thanks. Brought to you by Still Not My Coffee because my burner <laughs> won't ignite. Shh, don't tell anybody. We're almost there, though. This uh, is pagan yeah. coffee. <laughs> I miss it really bad. A lot of people do. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so this week we were talking through Hebrews 13, 20 to 25. It's brought us to the end of Hebrews, which uh, we should probably talk about a little a bit of that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, let's do it now. Um, it's weird. I was, I, a little, I was a little melancholy. Every time we get to the end of, of a book or a series, it's yeah, it's like, oh, man, now yeah, new things are ahead. Such a defining thing, like a sermon. It's really interesting how powerful a, a book is can be uh, oh, a passage of scripture uh from it the being preached and journeying through it with your people yeah it's uh i think that we've had defining you know sermon series throughout the history of our church i think this is one of them mm-hmm. you know and i think uh i feel like in a lot of ways our home groups uh have come to a good place at least from my perspective and uh, observing them We've had better, deeper, richer discussion than we've ever had before. It has. And it's a little weird, too, because at the same, there's that same kind of feel, though, that we've had, at least preaching it, of like, I'm trying to come up with something new, but he's not giving me anything. <laughs> right. And so then in our discussions, we still have people having to dig deep. Yeah. Uh, which has been really, really good. That's a good point. Well, Hebrews is a multi, as we've said, multi layered. <clears throat> you know, gave these analogies. I remember giving this analogy in my very first sermon in Hebrews. Um, that the art, he's like an artist, the author is like an artist and, um, he, he wants you to come up close to the canvas and see all the little intricate colors that he's used. And then, but you gotta make sure you step back yeah, so you can actually see it. And that's the dance with preaching Hebrews and understanding it is it's, uh, it's kind of that dance of lean in, 
there's a thousand ways he's saying this one thing because uh-huh. he's really good at it. Yeah. And then step back. So. We used to, when we finished books, do like a wrap-up one. Uh, and there's part of me that wants to go back to chapter one and preach to chapter one. Yeah. And be like, see, remember, see, remember, see, remember. Yeah, that's true. That'd it's kind of cool. like at the end of you know Lord of the Rings, at least in the movies, they go back and it's like, ah, oh, back to life. Yeah. <laughs> right. We have this shared experience and it's like, right. our kids are here now. Have you made a uh, any any uh, stronger opinions? Do you have any stronger opinions on who you think wrote it? I, I've been a Paul guy the whole time. Yeah. Well, Pink's a Paul guy. He just says it in his commentary. Yeah. He I, just calls him Paul the whole time. Yeah. Which, in my experience with Hebrews, Pink was probably the top commentary. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, and, and not just because of volume, but. No, it was just really rich. Actual points within it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, there's parts where I'm like, uh, he wouldn't have said it that way, but. Yeah. He wrote by other people's hands. Too. That's true. Good point. So I don't know. That's a good point. Now it, it was a good season, and I'm I'm thankful for it. And yeah, I I reflect back to when we were in you know Ephesians or Acts before renovation uh, and things like this. So you can reach back to a time. It's a these are our Ebenezer's. These are our yep. rock piles. Yeah. Uh, we think about what we learned and what we went through. I'd encourage you guys, uh, maybe in your home groups this week, to. Write down some of those specific stones. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully maybe name a chapter to them. There's a few of those for me. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, good idea. Yeah. Well, this week, uh, main points were basically these two. A persevering faith looks like doing God's will. And a persevering faith is dependent on God's covenantal work. And so persevering faith has been the one of the primary themes, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last half. Yeah. Um, but... It looks like these two things do God's will, and it's dependent on God's covenantal work. And I think that that sets up uh, one short piece, and then I have kind of a, a question that we talked about. I wanted to launch to you again. Sure. But first part was he, he mentioned, um, I don't know, about halfway through maybe, uh, he said uh, an equipped one, a person who's equipped, uh, because he's the one who equips you for with everything good to do his will. Mm-hmm. God's not stingy. He says an equipped one, someone who's equipped will look for his will. So yeah. uh, that that just stuck out to me from a, a, an aspect of his, like, I've been, you know, reading some military books and some his, history stuff too. It's like people who are ready to do the thing, but they're just waiting for orders. Yeah. Well, the guy who's trained isn't just waiting for orders. He's going to find them he's going to seek out the will of his commander yeah you know he's not just waiting he's going to be actively looking for that and involved in that and particularly because he followed it up with it's not just a hunt for guidance and a whole bunch of goofy things mm. and that's squarely where i was in middle school high school that's what i dealt with primarily in in, in youth ministry and i still see that too a lot with adults um like well, i'm just trying to figure out what the will of god is for my life right well i can tell you it's become like Jesus. So how are you doing that? What <laughs> right. are you doing right now? That's, right. that's that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't hide it. He's, he said he's not stingy. Yeah. And it's, it's so big. So what are some ways that this week our, our people can be a little bit more involved in that? In looking for his will? Yeah. <clears throat> I remember uh, a little book that was helpful to me years ago. Just It's called uh, Just Do Something. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in that culture um, of... You know, look for a sign. Um, you know, God gave me a rhema. Uh, that was a that was a word that was used. Um, and th- there's some of that's not bad. 
Um, I don't want to demonize all that in, in any way. But I think that... Yeah, because our bigger concern is the, the person who's sitting there not doing anything. Exactly. Waiting for go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I do. I think one thing that we get really bogged down in is um, looking for extra um, sure places to place our feet before we move mm. when God has given us his word and that's sufficient. And so when we look for something extra, you know, we cast out a fleece. Yeah. And sometimes they can get real silly, <laughs> right? Uh, when I was a kid, I'd be like, okay, Lord, if I make this three-pointer, you know, then you know, I know you want me to whatever, you know? <laughs> and it's just silly pagan luck stuff, yeah. you know? But we, we're, we're like that. People, everybody's like that. People look for signs. They want signs. They want the surety. All it really is in, at the core is they want an assurance, something rock solid to place their feet on before That's they make that my, move. It, to be fair, my wife was looking that for me before we bought our house. You yeah. Know, like, what is telling you to do this? Yeah. What's telling you that, yes, this is the way our family should go? Yeah. So I think what I would encourage people to do is this. Um, when we say something like, just, you know, just do something. Um, it doesn't mean you just play duck, duck, goose. You know, you want to make, um, calculated, take calculated risk, you know, wise, uh, informed risk. I think that all God's people, if you're going to build the kingdom, have to be willing to take risk with your resources and so on and so forth. What we mean by that is God has spoken. So make sure you're not neglecting um, understanding and meditating on what he has spoken. What he's already said. What he's already said. He has told us and act upon it. Not so, and I think that you can choose something. What we mean, what we mean is this. You can choose something. You have, you have decision A, decision B. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, let's say it's a car you're going to buy. I could buy this car, I'll buy this car. God doesn't, at the end of the day, really care of what car you buy. Mm-hmm. He cares about why you're going to buy it and what you're going to do with it, yeah. right? Um, but we can really kind of get silly about God wants me to have the blue one versus the red one for whatever reason. And what we want is just a surety to know that <laughs> if I buy this car, God's going to keep it from like breaking down. Yeah, because the thing is, whichever one you buy is going to break down, and then you're going to be like, well, I made the wrong decision. Right. What you need to do is you need to say, um, facts show that cars are one of the worst things to invest in, yeah. don't hold their value. And why is that? It's because we live in this fallen world and we have to you know, be involved in this crazy system. Or you know, when it comes to your work and you're asking God to bless it or a job you need, if you walk in accordance to God's will and what he has called you to do, walking in faith and repentance, then you can know as you make decisions, God will give you wisdom on what you should do and he will bless your endeavors. But whatever that actual decision is, if you're walking in the spirit, in faith and repentance in those things, you can trust the process. Because you've been equipped. I think that's the exactly. issue. Because yeah. even a couple of weeks ago before my uh, jiu-jitsu tournament, I was freaking out. Like, and, and I knew that that was part of the process, and that was honestly more than half the reason I right. wanted to do it. I want to see how I'd handle it. And the answer is well in the moment and horribly beforehand, uh, which is par for the course for me in most yeah. cases. Uh, I get so anxious before things, even though, and I told my coach this, I told you guys this, and I've told you know the elders this before in other situations. Like I know God's going to show up when I'm there, yeah. when I'm in the meeting, whatever, when I'm at the match, you know, because I've been trained for this. I've trained yeah. for it. I'm, I've been equipped, and so we need to remember that He's given us everything good. 
Yeah, I heard a good quote. I can't remember who it was. I think it was some Roman emperor or something. He said, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Yep. Um, and so this is why we must never neglect God's word mm-hmm. and meditate upon it day and night like Psalms 1 um, encourages us to do so that we will be able in the moments to uh, not not worry about picking the exact right thing or something bad will happen, um, like there's karma or something like that, but to know that if I walk in accordance with God's will and God's way, because I've been in his word and I know what he's said, then I can trust the process, mm-hmm. right? And, and even if the car does break down, yeah. I can know I have an eternal reward, <laughs> right? Well, you can see that in, in Paul's ministry. Everyone in Acts 20 didn't want him to go back to Jerusalem because mm-hmm. They were afraid it was the last time they'd die. Yeah, they're going to kill you. And Paul picked the wrong car, apparently. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, but not in in the economy of heaven. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good. I I don't want to spend a ton of time on that one. It's good, though. This, uh, one of the bigger piece, and this is where he started with, was there's no separation or war between faith and works. Yeah. So much of our ministry, our counseling, our teaching just is always in the periphery of this arena of faith and works. And I was thinking as he was preaching, um, like, when did that concept enter my, you know, periphery? So the first time that I even remotely became aware of this, I think, because in high school, I don't remember any of it. And in, in middle school, it, it just wasn't a thing. It was saved by grace alone through faith alone. And that's yeah. that's where I was. Uh, I knew I wasn't a Catholic, and so my works <laughs> didn't do it, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and that was really the extent of the battle there for me. Uh, <laughs> but in college, I had to either write a paper or it was a whole class. I don't remember. Um, based on the idea, I know I at least wrote a paper on it of synthesizing or, or, or justifying, I guess, the apparent theological discrepancies between Galatians and mm. James. Yeah. So Galatians, if you don't know, is just grace, 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 grace. Mm-hmm. James is, is works, 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 works. Uh, yeah, James was Martin Luther's least favorite book of the Bible. And he actually encouraged people to kind of like, I don't know if he explicitly encouraged people not to read it, but he was like, you can... You don't have to worry about it. You can relegate that one. Yeah, to which is revelation. horrible advice, by the way. Even if, as much as I love Luther, it's understandable coming mm. from a Catholic background. Well, I was going to say, which which will lead to some of the stuff we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you understand why? Why he had that? Yeah. Um, mentality. So, uh, if that was it for me, it, and then I I became reformed and I, I started to understand and, and appreciate and and really come to grips with a lot of this. Yeah. Um. And uh, what's that? I think it's the Claire Ferguson book, um, The Whole Christ. Oh, yeah, The Whole Christ. Uh, it's Great book. Ferguson, right? Mm-hmm. Ferguson. Uh, I mean, that's that's a f- much more prolific understanding of, yeah. of the whole concept. So for me, that kind of got me you know, squared away t- mm-hmm. to where I, I want to be on my understanding of these. But for our average layperson, they've not – you know, they, they, they maybe had my similar middle school, high school view. Sure. Then they didn't go to college and have to write a paper on this. And then they hear their pastors talking a lot about this. And I guess part of my thing was like, how do we avoid making a boogeyman mm-hmm. out of this if it's not for some of our right. people? But at the same time, I, I recognize that for some specific people in our church, like, no, they're very much coming from or reacting to one of the other ends of that spectrum. Yeah. Uh, as I take a quick survey in my mind of our church, I would say 
fairly confidently that the only ones in our church that wouldn't have that struggle would be our, some of our young people. And I would think because they've, they've grown up under some, some good teaching. Yeah. Right. Especially lately. Um, and I think by God's grace, our younger kids that are growing up are not going to have to have that struggle. Mm -hmm. Right. They're going to have to have that as it were, you know, two dogs fighting (laughs) and whatever (laughs) one you feed more wins. Yeah. Right. I, I, you say, you know, Matt was making the difference between faith or he was saying there's no difference in faith and works. And he was kind of helping us understand that. I think what, what mostly though, stereotypically pops into people's head in this realm is not faith and works, but maybe grace and works. Yeah. yeah, Grace and legalism. Yeah. Grace and legalism. Um, so, I mean, he had a fantastic definition for legalism. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, and so that's what we're usually dealing with. And that's, that's what he was going after, uh, yesterday. And, and that's what James is talking about. James is saying, Hey, you say you have faith, but if you don't have any works, your faith, you don't have any, yeah. right? It's dead. And then Galatians is over here talking about something else. And it's important when you read those, uh, books of the Bible that you understand the context in which the author is writing into what he's dealing with. Right. I mean, if you believe that there's a right way to interpret the Bible, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that apparently is up for debate now, but whatever. Apparently, well, yeah, when you can throw out whole chunks of the Bible now, apparently, mm-hmm. if it doesn't suit your fancy. <laughs> but when it comes to this idea of of grace and works, I don't think you're create we're creating a boogeyman of some sorts. Um, I think that if people are like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have that struggle, or I don't really get it, maybe they just haven't thought about it, right? Again, I think that like our young people maybe don't have that struggle, but all of us are going to have that struggle in some sense. And cause you see this basically in church life. It, um, it depends on what you grew up in. Yeah. Right. And we have a kind of a, a large swath of, um, different experiences in our church, but they really either, they really fall in like two, you know, two different ditches. It's the people coming from probably pretty strict churches, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere. And this, I'm not talking about, you know, before you came to CTL, you went to a fairly good church. I'm talking about like somewhere in your history, you probably have something like a very strict church, you know, um, very legalistic, quote unquote, we would call it. And stereotypically, that's, you know, King James Version only, you know, everybody wears a suit on Sunday morning. If you want to go real hardcore, all the ladies are wearing big head coverings. You know, uh, no drums, mm-hmm. no rock music. You know, the girls have to wear culottes when they go to <laughs> to do you know activities or whatever. Um, those those kinds of things, right? And we've experienced some of those, and those those have varying levels. And what usually happens in that group of people is they come from a very strict church, and so they they swing pretty heavily towards faith or towards grace. Yeah, and that's. That's they they all of a sudden understand the beauty of God's grace, right? Uh, and they're really really happy to no longer have all these stupid man made heavy burdens hanging around their neck um, that have been either imposed upon them or they've imposed upon themselves. And so, you know, awesome! I don't have to. I don't. It's it's uh, not pertaining to salvation that I wear a suit on Sunday morning, yeah. right? I, I'm not going to be thrown into hell if I listen to you know, shine down <laughs> or whatever. And, and so what can happen though, and I think we, we've seen this, um, in our dealings with our people here too, 
is that those have come that have come from very strict churches, they then swing to grace. Uh, they're really happy to no longer be under those man-made rules, but that can also lead to being lax in other areas if they're not checking that, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't understand it, there there is no separating these two things, right? They're they're perfectly in harmony together. Um, you, you you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Last sermon I did in Hebrews a couple weeks ago, that's what I was hammering. That's what he's reminding us mm-hmm. at the end of Hebrews. And now he's reminding us that that should lead to good works, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, you can see this in this, like, and I don't think some of our folks would call themselves grace-only folks, but you see this in subtle ways uh, from those who have been under, like, the yoke of legalism in a very strict church in the past. You see this in people who are kind of marginalized in the, in the covenant community, Right, they're kind of on the fringes. They they're not as in as involved as they could be or should be, mm-hmm. and some of that is because maybe they've had some bad experiences with those people, you know, from the past or whatever. But usually, what you find is if you come from a very strict church, and all of a sudden you discover grace, and I'm not going to burn in hell if I don't wear a tie on Sunday morning, then or read from the King James only then it can be really tempting to be, like I said, lax in other areas. And it's like, okay, I don't have to do those things. Well, I don't really have to be as involved in Christian community. My old church emphasized being there every time the doors were open. You know, that was an old church saying, you mm-hmm. be there every time the doors are open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service, and, you know, Tuesday morning prayer meeting or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't have to do that doesn't leave any room for my family to get into heaven yeah right and then we can be unknowingly um living under what we think is grace when in fact we're living in in sinfulness and and excuses and saying well i just live under grace and so it's really hard and difficult to see um you know when you were encouraged you better never miss church and these things are made like salvific issues, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what legalism does, especially in those very strict church contexts. It makes them salvific issues. So if you're not here, if you're not outward conformity, those are salvific issues. Well, now you're no longer under that. So it can be really easy just to miss church more than you should, mm-hmm. right? To be marginalized more than you should. Or, or I'm not going to go, you know, my spiritual standing ultimately before Christ does not have anything to do with what I wear on my body, my clothes. Mm-hmm. And in, in strict church circles, that was, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right now this can go to really extreme, uh, examples like people throwing off modesty altogether. Yeah. And we're seeing this rampant in our culture today mm-hmm. where, you know, you, 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 something pops up on social media or, you know, you talk, you t- I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody you know, uh, a young lady or something out in a uh, environment somewhere, and and they found that I'm a pastor, and oh, I'm a Christian too, and I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I guess you don't read your Bible, you know, um, or at least you skipped over the modesty parts. Mm-hmm. That stuff's rampant, though. Yeah. Um. So you can go to those extremes, and a lot of times you'll find um, that those folks who go to those extremes came from strict churches that emphasized 
um, to a um, legalistic point, mm-hmm. you know, monasty. And it had to, you know, they got not the rulers. And there was a church, um, Jack Hiles, I don't know if you're familiar with the name, but Jack Hiles was a, a preacher and I can't remember where he's at, Hiles Anderson University. Anyway, crap church, crap college. But they used to have little paper paper dresses for ladies that came. Now, I'm like, I maybe could get down with that depending on the context, depending on what they're wearing. But it was basically for a lady who came in even in like modest slacks or pants, yeah. put this dress on, right? Like yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, we, we struggle with modesty all the time at youth camp and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you um, understand that in the youth world, yeah. right? Yeah, that was that was that was rough. <laughs> yeah, and and so that's a, that's an extreme. But that's not even what you're talking about. You're talking about people who are appropriately dressed. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you have that, but then you're like, okay, well, I'm not in that realm. But then I I think too we can we can make this excuse that well, it doesn't matter what I wear. I can wear a hoodie and flip flops and jeans on Sunday morning and worship Jesus just as well as a guy in a three piece suit. And that is true. Right. But I don't think you should do that. Right. I I don't think it should be an excuse uh, because I'm under grace to show up on the Lord's day, which is the culmination of our week, the gathering of the saints looking like a a slob, right? Like a homeless person. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Like you get, when you go into the presence of a King, you dress appropriately. Mm -hmm. Well, my king, though, shows me grace, and Jesus runs to me and embraces me. See, this is the stuff we've been peddled, yeah, right? But then your king, during the week who signs your check, requires a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? Uh, so if the boss says you got to wear something, and then you do it. And, I, and, I, um, and I, you know, if I talk about things like that, I could be labeled a legalist. Mm-hmm. But here's the point. It's not simply about what you wear. Uh, I do think there's a place for propriety, and I think we've lost so much of that in our culture, and I could talk about that for a long time. But what we've seen in our culture is a dumbing down of the holiness of God in all areas, and the grace-based, gospel-centered movement has led the charge on that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this old song, um, Fly to Jesus, Fly to Jesus, yeah. and then dance with Jesus, and live. and live, yeah, right. Like that's the idea, right? It's the Jesus holding the lamb, the very European white Jesus holding the lamb, and that's me. And it doesn't, and that very, and that's all true. But that, except for the white part, um, but <laughs> if that's not checked, that very easily can lead to all sorts of just basic, basically like self care, self love crap that now is invading the church everywhere and giving in to all the rainbow flag stuff mm-hmm. right i mean am i making sense yeah so yeah. what so what happens is is we we say it doesn't matter what i wear on sunday morning and so we let our kids you know just wear their whatever just mm-hmm. go pick out your clothes and it doesn't matter if your hair is combed and they'll follow their parents right um you know i'm not going to get up any more dressed up which is funny to me because people seem to get more dressed down for sunday morning than they do for that's, that's else. Say, like, you said the culmination of sunday and i'm like i can't imagine what they wore on thursday right i'm like if, if this is i mean if this is all you have <laughs> talk to me i know some good thrift stores we can get you set up yeah, for real you know uh for not that expensive but but again the all grace thing can lead to just straight up laziness 
Well, yeah, that's the biggest danger, I think, is it's the that fly to Jesus and sit there. Yep. And wait. Yeah, because the idea is, oh, doesn't God doesn't care what I wear? Mm. No, he, no, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for yesterday, he's equipped you that you may do his will. That you may do his will, which is to wear hoodies and right chill. No, let, let me and let me take it one more de- layer deeper, <laughs> and I don't. I need to be on a little pedestal here, um, but let me try to give you the the reason why. So I say, they said, some people be like, well, no, you're being legalistic. Why does it matter what I wear? I can still worship Jesus in a hoodie versus a three-priest suit. That is true. But if we're going to be intentional for the kingdom, well-equipped, right, and mature in Christ, then we're going to look at every aspect of our life and say, um, is Christ Lord over this? Yeah. Right? And so when we begin to think that way with a kingdom mindset that says, I want to advance the kingdom of God, then it causes me to look around in the world today and say our world has dumbed down expectations for everything. There is no more appropriateness. There is no more honor for for um, the elderly. There is no more, right? It's self, self, self. Mm-hmm. Everything is dumbed down, right? Um, it is all self-care. It is all self-indulgence. And one way you can see that is the way people present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and one thing we see in our culture right now in the gender wars is androgyny. Yeah. Right. You see, you see, um, big, uh, clothing brands pushing very gender neutral, um, clothing, mm-hmm. right. Very boxy stuff. And long gone are the days of very feminine clothing and very masculine clothing, right. Yeah. It's very androgynous. And so when, when we don't think about that intentionally on something like the Lord's day, which is a great way to start practicing it and, Mm -hmm. and encouraging our wives and our daughters to look feminine Mm -hmm. and our boys and men to look masculine. Then we play into the enemy's hands and we play into being just no different than the world. Yep. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Right. So the gospel just if you talk about being granular right like the gospel seeps down into every nook and cranny well it was funny because in you know our pre-show discussion of this they find that these people who are grace 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 are actually accidentally turning this into their own legalism it is yeah it it exactly becomes that yeah so again i could talk about that for a long time just saying (laughs) that that's the swing that we see often right i think it's a good play a good sandbox for that um because the challenge again is that we're afraid that this is going to, and not just afraid, like it's proven out right. a hundred times. Listen, that this in, it results in laziness. It just right. wait and see. And I'm going to say, like I, I grew up in, in a church, and, and I love and honor my father. He's he's getting ready to retire after almost 50 years of ministry, and 47 of those in the same place. Wonderful, wonderful, faithful ministry. But he would be one of the first ones to tell you that our church went through some some legalistic years, right? Um, you would talk about legalism. <laughs> the, I'm the guy that knows what that's like. If you've heard of IBLP, Shiny Happy People, like our family was one of the first in IBLP, right? That's a whole other podcast. It's not as bad as everybody made it out to be, by the way. Um, so I understand this, and I'm going to tell you, Russ, when people say that they're afraid... When they, when they hear us, you know, I'm just afraid you're preaching about the law and you're preaching, to, that sounds like legalism and it feels like we're getting away from grace. They might think that they're really concerned about that. 
But most of the time, I'm not saying everybody here, but most of the time, it is just laziness. They don't want to be called to action. Yeah. And so they're going to use grace and the bad experience that was bad. Sure. And was legalistic and was wrong. And they're going to use that as an excuse to push away anything that requires anything of us. Remember, we we talked about this on one of the cold pizzas way back in the middle of Hebrews. Crucified Christ doesn't require anything of me, Mm -hmm. but a resurrected and ascended Christ requires everything of me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we're not just going to preach Christ crucified, right? We're going to preach the whole gospel Mm -hmm. because people will say, just give me Christ crucified. Well, that doesn't require anything of me. (laughs) Yep. Right? Yep. And so, and and the opposite of that is true too. People that grew up in like loosey-goosey health and wellness churches, you see this in Dayton, you know, Mm -hmm. people went to grandma's church that sang the hymns, played the organ, you know, and you had to sit there quietly and they didn't have a good kids program, which is probably what you needed because, <laughs> right, your parents should have been teaching you anyway. Um, and so then all those people went to like crazy charismatic churches because they just wanted something real and authentic because mm-hmm. it seemed cold, yeah. right? And then their kids looked around and saw all that and they were like, this is stupid. This doesn't give me anything. And so their kids rebelled and the parents didn't have anything of substance in order to call their kids to repentance yeah, and didn't have their hearts in the first place because they weren't mm-hmm. cultivating it because they sent them off to some stupid youth group thing. Never had them. Yep. Exactly. Because, well, we got to get them in and win them and be cool like the world and the world's always going to outdo you in that game. And now you're seeing a trend back toward, and you saw this in the beginnings of the Young Restless and Reform, you're seeing a trend back to more of an orthodoxy, liturgical services and so on. But what's interesting is you're seeing people go beyond that. Yeah. Those kids that came out of that, those churches, they're going beyond that and they're trying to find something of substance. So they're going to Catholicism or Greek Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. right? Um, or just like, now you're just seeing lots of like mysticism yeah, and stuff. Perceived substance. Perceived, yeah, exactly. Perceived <laughs> substance. Well, what those things are is lots of rules and lots of like what seems to be like a deep rooted history, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's easy for people who grew up in loosey goosey churches to gravitate more towards works and no grace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which it, which is legalism, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's, different it's legalism. Yeah. And that's why I think his, his definition was so helpful because legalism is using any mixture of God's standards or your own standards yep. to make yourself right with God, which is mostly what we've been talking about or others right with you. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny you mentioned the ties. If if you didn't wear a tie, you're going to hell. And the reality is, is the majority of those ties that I remember should send people to hell. <laughs> those, are just, those are just the wide ones. Listen, oh if gosh. you wore a paisley tie with flowers on it, then I have a paisley tie. It depends on what kind of paisley tie. Black it is. and white. Okay. Like it could be a pretty sweet tattoo. I'll allow it. I'll allow. It. All right. I'll allow. <laughs> it. As long as I don't wear the pink shirt. No, no, please or, no. Sorry, not even pink salmon. <laughs> That's what I remember. It's pink. Salmon and like pear yellow shirts. Salmon shirts. Salmon shirts, like it's just pink. You're just afraid to own it. Just go pink <laughs> if you're going to go pink. <laughs> you shouldn't, but come on. Yep. Got to match my wife. <laughs> Her big hair. All right. <clears throat> that's that's fantastic. Um, Bring us home in our last bit because people always talk about you and I going too long. Uh, yeah, which well, I don't know if whatever. you guys know this, but you can pause and like pick up on exactly. Thursday, but. So, People yeah. stressing, trying to get through it. This is that. <clears throat> All right. So this is the best part at the end, so don't miss it. Listen, <laughs> you know what I would just like? I just want people to know this about me. <laughs> I could always go longer, <laughs> and I don't. And I want people to be thankful for that. Whatever you say, Doug. 
<laughs> that was my my new favorite saying. Um, I think it's original. Anyway, I can't. I don't remember. Um, it's like I'm not as angry as I could be, and I want people to be thankful for that. <laughs> this is self control. Uh, exactly. Just know it could be worse. You should be thankful. We could be longer. Uh, oh man, that's true. So tune in Wednesday for Kink's you table. should be thankful that your pastors like to talk about these things. Well, the idea is for it to be helpful. Yeah, I know case, it's supposed to be leftovers. Super helpful. Well, if the if the sermons were like, it depends on who orders the pizza. That's like, true. <laughs> I like right. a lot of leftovers. <clears throat> Me so too. We're gonna get more than we need. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This this last part is, I mean, part of the title, the bloody covenant, and so. He talked about a blood-bought covenant and why blood it represents life. Why life? Because any sin against the holy God requires death. Yeah. Something that we entirely overlook all the time. That's why we've been spending so much time in Old Testament stuff through Hebrews. Yeah. Uh, really drove that home. But then the kind of bulk piece of that that he added was the the blood of Christ or blood of Jesus is repulsive to many. Yeah. And why is that? He said it's because they don't think they need it, because it speaks of their sinfulness. And because it speaks of God's imputing Adam's sin, and they think that that's unjust. Yeah. I see that all over the place. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see that all over the place. <clears throat> I don't think people people do that. Again, they do that subtly, like I was saying about the legalism thing. Like they, mm. And our people will do that as well. When we, So when we're confronted with our sin, um, we, I think that's the attitude we're having. We're oh, yeah. repulsed by the idea that reality TV ruined this for us. Everyone that mm. sits home and watches reality TV and is like, I could do that better than them. <laughs> right. They put me there. I can, I can do better than that guy. Right. Well, crap. You'd fall over. Yeah. You forget true. to tie your shoes. So yeah, we look at Adam and we're like, I would have done that. Right. I would, I would lead Eve. Right. Yeah. Uh, even though the last time I had a conversation with my wife was three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could do that. <clears throat> so, he had the J.C. Raw quote, which I think is is fun. Now, most men would be eating the apple because their wife told them to go get it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> go give me that apple. True. That looks good. That's good. Uh, yeah. All right, if you say so. Yep. Uh, terribly black must that guilt be for which nothing but the blood of the Son of God could make satisfaction. Yeah. So if the only thing that can make it white as snow is the blood of Christ, then how dark is our sin? And that's yeah. that's the truth. Um, that that we have to 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 recognize. That's part of why I picked that song. Uh, for communion of has said of this, yeah. the covenant faithfulness is wrapped up in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he's the one who keeps covenant faithfulness for us. Now, one of the things that I've been exploring, I talked to Matt about it some after the sermon yesterday, um, and you'll probably hear some more of this as long as I'm on the right track, is this idea of people wanting us to speak to them, uh, preach to them, counsel them, coach them, encourage them, blah, blah, blah at where they perceive they are or maybe even the reality of where they are in mm. their walk with faith. And the the problem is is that that's a, a failure to recognize the other side of this double imputation that he talked about. Mm. We, I think, as pastors generally should be speaking to people as if they are faithful, good Christians because guess what? You are. If you are in Christ, the expectation, the equipping, yeah. the everything that you get puts you in a category that the way that we speak to you should not cause you to shrivel back. Mm. Now, that does not say that there's not some some room there because we sure. have, you know, chapter four is talking about, you know, babes and milk. Sure. But what do they get? 
rebuked. <laughs> yeah. Right. We should be able to speak to people as Christians, mm-hmm. and they should love that. Yeah. So, so you're meaning, I think you answered the question with your your words there, but you don't. Do you mean speaking from the pulpit in a way that's more understandable, or meeting people at their spiritual level? I think it maybe it's both. So. From, from the pulpit or from anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking to them from what they actually are. Yeah. I think people have, the, I, I know, people have the wrong perception of what mm-hmm. they actually are as a Christian. Right, yeah. So because what, if mo- you repeatedly come against that, right. then that means you're probably not a Christian. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, that to me is a, is a big deal because that recognizes the other side of this imputation mm-hmm. that this whole passage is about. Yeah. The, the covenant is there. and You yeah. have it. He's equipped you. And yeah. it's with what, what he says specifically, the power of the resurrection, right? Yeah. Uh, so I was, at first when you started talking, I was thinking people, your conversation with Matt was about people like saying, preach to me in a way that's more understandable, like as in don't use big words. Yeah, not that. But. But even that. But even, I think that's a part of it because I would say there is a, responsibility on the part of the preacher to understand his audience sure right i mean you see that with jesus mm-hmm. but the responsibility of the preacher is to be faithful to the text and use the gifts he has for god's glory and to bring that bring that about but i'm going to preach to you and i'm probably not going to hold back on some of those theological terms because a you're probably not as dumb as you think you are mm-hmm. probably just lazy mm-hmm. um intellectually lazy maybe you need to learn how to learn and you just need to humble yourself and ask more questions. But I'm going to preach to you assuming that the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. Because I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will do its thing. Exactly. So big yeah. theological concepts, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down for you as much as I can, mm-hmm. but we're not going to be afraid. I remember one time a guy said something about, I said something about preaching through Hebrews, and he's like, Dude, I wouldn't touch Hebrews. That's just too too dense for our people. And I'm like, it's too complicated. If the Spirit of God lives in these people, mm-hmm. right? Then um, I'm going to trust that that preacher yeah. is going to be able to do the work, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and that the you know if God could take illiterate uh, you know fishermen. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Then. No, and that's not to say that I mean, we will have to say it three times. Like no, the, the yeah. Peter, I mean, to that fisherman. Yeah. He had the same vision three he times before he, he got it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we we sell the Holy Spirit short. Yeah. So I, I just that was a kind of a, a, a bullet point to what you were talking about. Yeah. That fits in there. But yeah, in the uh, more specifically what you're speaking to, I, I think you're right. We have to interact with people as if the Holy Spirit lives within them, and that they will, by His help, see their sin. Yeah. See their savior and go. His point yesterday was that it's may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Jesus, Lord Jesus, right? Yeah. That kind of resurrection power, may that one be what equips you to yeah. do all this good stuff. Yeah. And so he he said, you know, to walk with Jesus is to experience a spiritual resurrection that anticipates the rising of the dead unto life on the final day. Yeah. That anticipation should be there every day. Yeah, yeah. You should be experiencing this new life. Each and every day. Each and every day. And, yeah. and, and if you're not, that's that's the kind of key. So when I speak to you, Christian, particularly I would say from the pulpit, which is supposed to be to God's people, yeah. right? It's going to be with that expectation. Yeah. And, and it, it should be because as the sermon title said, we have stuff to do. Yeah, we do. We have stuff to do. I would, this is a whole other podcast, 
but I would um, I would examine some of the things that you've been struggling with for years. You know, um, y- I'm not saying that those things might. Uh, I'm not saying that those things um, have to be completely gone, or those things um, don't take time to overcome. As far as putting certain things to death, sure, certain proclivities, sinful proclivities, and I'm not saying that. Um, the, they might not go away in this lifetime, right? You might receive that full deliverance one day when you see Jesus. But if you don't see an increasing death to that sin and walking in new life, something's wrong. Yeah, or a willingness to, to try. Yeah, if, like, if there's some of those old proclivities are still looming strong. Uh, Feels like a worship issue, though. Yeah, um, where I see this a lot as a practical application is is at the gym uh, in BJJ, as we're getting ready to try a new move, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I I this is a rule for me before I walk through the door and even knew exactly what I signed up for. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna try everything. I'm yeah. not gonna say no. Like that's no excuses. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I may suck at it. I may not be able to do the thing, but I'm gonna try. Yeah. And so we're getting ready to start a new move, and the people in the room you'll inevitably hear be like, oh, I don't know about that. I've got I've got this knee problem or Uh, I can't move my my wrist that way, blah, 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 blah. And and there's always an excuse before you even try it. That's 100% the same thing that I hear at the dinner table from my, you know, five-year-old. You haven't even tried it yet. You don't know that you don't like this. Yeah. You don't know that you can't do this. And and it's just a immature but bigger person version of that. And then when you bring that into what it means to be a Christian, it doesn't matter if you have weak knees. You have new knees. Yeah, it's you're a new creation. Yeah, you know, you find so you find people. If I could tie this back to the faith and works thing, you find people who have come from kind of a a really loose uh, church background. Like Mm -hmm. they haven't been called to faith and repentance faithfully. Probably weren't even a Christian in the times of those churches. Yeah. Right. Um, And so they've made some really bad mistakes and they're looking to holding to some work, right? Um, to keep them on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. And so they are neglecting, um, some of the things that God might be calling them to, or they're, or they're unable to partake in some of God's good gifts Yeah, because they're so afraid of going back to the old life, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can see this in people who are very promiscuous, you know, uh, before they were believers or people who dealt with substance abuse or whatever, yeah. right? They're so that that looms over them. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be wise in those areas because mm-hmm. that informs your proclivity to that sin. But there's freedom in Christ. Um, and so potentially that could be holding you holding you back, yeah. right? As you hold on to that thing. And then, you know, yeah. you know, the other side of the coin is true of those who are, you know, all grace now because they came from a super legalistic church. They're afraid of anything that looks like works. You know, don't tell me that I, we should dress up on the Lord's day as a celebration <laughs> for his goodness, you know, cause that might be legalistic. Yeah. Yeah. Except, uh, on Christmas, we're going to post our family pictures of what we all decided to wear. Right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. Now, cause uh, Facebook matters more than church. Uh, what do the people think? Yep. Yeah. That's, I think that that resurrection, new life thing, every day aspect yeah. has got to be something that we 
keep walking with uh, out of Hebrews because that's where this persevering faith is going to keep coming from. Yeah, yeah, that just really stood out to me on that. Yeah. So and and I would say on that, this is truly the last thing I will say. I promise. <laughs> you should experience new life each day. Uh, you know that book uh, by Piper, Future Grace. It was one of those like flag flagship books for me. Mm. That the idea that there is future grace for me in the next moment, you know, tonight, yeah. tomorrow, and so God has given you grace for this day mm. um, that you didn't deserve, so that you can go walk in the works, the good works that were prepared for you, yeah, before the foundations of the world. So yeah. that's what you can expect tomorrow, mm. and we're going to interact with you as if that's true, yeah. You know, and it's just then it's just further up and further in. Further up, further in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. That's a good application for you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. I want to encourage you guys to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We will see you next time. Written to you briefly. That's such a flex at the end. Just hang on a second. One more thing. Yeah.